Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics providers, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You posed a very good question, a very good Ask Us Anything here. It's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff Show, by the way. Text yours in. Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. You want to know... If you, you being the listener out there, have you ever had a team that you normally support? It's your team, your ride or die. But maybe in the course of your fandom, there was like a year or two where you looked at the team and you're like, I hate these guys. Yeah. I hate this team. You know what is the perfect word? And I use it a few times about the Jays. Disdain. Okay. Or even contempt. So here's the dictionary definition of disdain. Mm-hmm. The feeling that someone or something is unworthy of one's consideration or respect. They're, uh, great. Right? Like Perfect. unworthy of even your time watching them. Like, like, why have I done this to myself? Why am I, why, besides my blind loyalty to this stupid sports team, mm-hmm. why am I watching this? Why are you describing me watching the wildcard game? Yeah, but that's I could feel it. So, I could feel your disdain, to be honest. But that's the Blue Jays season, right? And I think that's one of the things that whoever's going to be in charge of the Blue Jays like has to figure out. Like, why did our fans hate us so much? And it's weird because the Blue Jays won a lot of games, eighty nine of them, sixteen games over five hundred. Usually, contempt and disdain mm-hmm. aligns itself with losers. It's easy to be like, why am I following this team? All they do is lose. I can't. I mean, imagine being a Chicago Bears fan for the last year, 12 months. Yeah. All you saw was losses. Mm-hmm. That I can understand. The Blue Jays are a very unique case. So, Jason, have you ever had a team that you normally support? But where there was a year or two where you were like, I hate this team. Well, the best example for me, probably that I can think of, um, besides something we'll get into in a bit, uh, was England's team at the 2016 Euros, the one that lost to Iceland. That team wasn't... Like, I had disdain for them, especially while they were losing to Iceland. Remember Harry Kane was taking corners? And they're like, uh, they need a goal. Why is he taking corners? Put the big skinny, not even good at it. Put the big skinny tall guy in the box so he can head them home, not cross the ball. Yeah, so that probably be my example of, like, just like, what am I watching here? Why am I getting so fired up about... And, and you know, it the, the caused change in England. Like, I think Roy Hodgson was the manager. And as soon as that happened, he was like, I have to resign. Yes. This and team was is, like, yes. I also hate this team, said yeah, yeah, Roy Hodgson. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh, well, sadly, it's also a footballing squad, a mm-hmm. soccer team. But I was... A one of the few, one of the few remaining people in the depths of the program that was ardently following and supporting the Canadian men's soccer team, mm-hmm. and I, there was a certain point where I, 
I hated it because I was following a laughing stock. Yeah. And I was emotionally invested in something. Everyone was like, why are you emotionally invested in that? Mm. And part of it was nationalistic pride. And part of it was I wanted to see them get to a World Cup. But the low point was when they went down to Honduras and lost 8-1 in a game they only needed a draw to advance to the next stage of qualifying. Yeah. Ooh, came, came close, but lost 8-1. Special brand of hatred for me <laughs> was that they were they were talking a big game going down to yeah. Honduras. They're like, all we need is a draw. We're like, we're going to put Canada soccer on the map. And I was like, well, you sure did that, but for all the wrong reasons. So that was the one for me. Can we both agree that the Canucks over the last couple of years have fit this billing? Yeah. And there's Can a we lot just of say it? We're just gonna in, say it. Right? Like, it's cathartic. Just say it. A couple it. years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Last year, especially. Too much so last year, especially for me, at the beginning of the season, I had disdain for the Canucks. Simply watching them the way that they played. I'm kind of like, why should I take this seriously if you guys aren't taking this seriously? See, that's a big part of this. Right? That is a big part of it. Like they were playing beer league hockey. I had disdain for that. And people were like, it's exciting. I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, it's not exciting. It's sloppy hockey. It's not winning hockey. And I don't care how many points these guys are putting up. They're not playing a winning brand of hockey. Right. So that, that part of it is a very key element, is that when you're as invested or your emotional swings are you know matched by the club, you do start to wonder, it's like, do I care more than the players? The answer is always no. Like this is professionals doing their jobs and what have you. But there are certain instances where you're looking at it and you're but like I think fans care about the team sometimes more than the players care about the team. I think I, I think, think that's in bad situations true. players will be like, I'm looking after me. Right. And I get it. Right. Right. They're doing a job. This I mean, isn't I, anybody's job except for us. Well uh, yeah, I think the Canucks have probably had disdain for the way the team has run has, has been run as well. Mm-hmm. Right when they when they took away a bunch of their players after the bubble run, yeah, and all now, of a sudden they're like looking around and like, hey, what about all those guys that we used to like? They're gone now. So I do want to dive into another aspect of this, and that is that if you remove the results, sometimes the individuals and personalities on a team play a huge role in this. For example, as someone said, how could anyone hate the Blue Jays? They won like fifty five percent of their games this year. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Why is there so much disdain? Because it's obvious, it's palpable. Mm-hmm. Look at the skewering that they've gotten since being eliminated by the Twins. People are lined up to take shots at them. It's, 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 it's hilarious, by the way, all the Leafs comparisons being oh, yeah. made. I'm like, the poor Blue Jays. Like, it was bad enough that nobody likes them. Mm-hmm. Now they have to like shoulder the sins of the Leafs. Yeah, and that, but I mean, it's true. And that's part of the right? collective psyche of the Days city. Days of one in my lifetime. But, but there, but but there. there are, but there are okay. Don't distract us. There are people, like Leafs fans, that have disdain for the Leafs and their top players, especially when they have bad playoff performances. There's disdain for Mitch Marner. Yeah. There's disdain for, well, Mitch Marner was the big one last year. Well, there's disdain for Nylander, but he was the best Leaf in the playoffs. Paul Marner. Still disdain for him. Yeah, there is, right? Okay, now, hold on. You just chimed in there, but you said, oh, but the Leafs have won in your lifetime. Jays have won. Jays have won in your lifetime. Definitely not. But no, the Jays have won in your lifetime. But what what was that in relation to that you were talking about? Well, he's saying that uh, I, f- I forget the exact point he made, but it was he was comparing the Leafs to the Jays, saying that they have to shoulder the the sins. Right. The important thing to remember you, here: I, you can't keep them on the same path as as Leafs because the, the, right. Well, here's what Jeff Blair wrote. 
uh, about the Blue Jays in his comparison to the Leafs. Uh, Shapiro and Atkins have been here together since 2016. They're on the third manager, haven't won a playoff series, and have basically become the Toronto Maple Leafs. Big budget, but shocking deficiencies in key on-field areas. Oodles of financial and intellectual heft. Possessed of generational players and an engaged but increasingly frustrated and maybe worse confused fan base that is looking for someone to blame before checking out how much tickets will cost in 2024. So here's when you said that the Jays have actually won before, that bar is part of the reason why you have this disdain for the current group. It's not unlike what, I mean, you do it all the time with this group compared to 2011's group. Mm -hmm. 2011 is held on a pedestal because of the guys involved with it. Selfless, determined, hardworking, leadership, all those things. How many of those 93 Js are immortalized in Toronto, right? So you know what I think? Four or five at least. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. You know what I think the key is? Like you talked about like, why someone would have disdain for a, a quote-unquote winning team like the Jays were. Mm-hmm. Talented losers. Talented? Like, losers. if you look at it, if you look at a team and you're like, these guys are talented losers. Like, in the big moments, they don't come up big. Right. They're they not lovable. The talent. Lovable losers they have are the lovable. Talent. Like, so... so well, that's um, how they win 89 games, is they got by on their talent. They got yeah. by but on their talent. they should have won more than right? 89 and that, games. And that's another Leafs yeah. comparison, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're like, these guys are talented, but whenever they come up against a big moment, they shrink from that. And I think, while you couldn't... It's a tough comparison with the Canucks. I think what has made them so frustrating to watch is like, listen, I watched teams in the 80s that weren't talented. Like, they were just bad, right? Compared to the Edmonton Oilers, compared to the Calgary Flames, they were just bad. They they took forever to get a guy that had 50 goals. They took forever to get a guy with 100 points. You know, they eventually found him in Pavel Burry. But the teams, like they were, there was more an indifference to them in the market than active disdain. Because you're like, well, you know, like, their best player isn't all that great. Like, yeah. he's good, but he's not all that good. There is a disdain for a team that has world-class players that doesn't get it done. And there's a lot of people texting into the Dunbar Lumber text line and saying, I'm a Red Sox fan. I've experienced this a few times. Yeah. And the Red Sox have a very, obviously, emotional fan base, and this is kind of like baked into their DNA. But there were teams, even shortly after they won World Series, that Red Sox fans hated. Mm-hmm. That team that was like accused of like <laughs> going into the clubhouse and eating fried chicken and playing video games while the games were still going on. I yep. think it was like uh, Beckett and uh, God, who were some of the Veritech? Was Veritech involved in that? Oh. They do love Veritech though, so it's hard to say. It was John Lester, Josh Beckett, and John Lackey. Oh yeah, John Lackey. Like those teams were yeah. twenty eleven. Like those Red Sox teams were despised, and I think even more recently when they trade away a guy like Mookie Betts. We've had some text. Sorry, I, I lost your text. If you sent in a text about the Red Sox, thank you for the text. Mm. But that's actually one of the first teams that I thought about. Like, I'm not a Red Sox fan, so it wasn't an example for me. But I've seen, like, from the Red Sox fan base, like, real disdain Rich. for certain teams. They're a weird team because, like, some years, like, the fans hate them. And then other years, like, there's this love affair with them that just, like, because Red Sox fans, when they love you, 
they love you. Like the yeah. love for like Poppy in Boston um, is like doesn't seem to be connected to the record. Either. Well, Wakefield, no, we, Wakefield, you saw you, you saw the love for Tim Wakefield because he was part of helping them get over the hump and finally winning a World Series. It is part of the reason why like the Yankees fans hate the current Yankees team, right? It's because it doesn't really embody what they want out of the team, and winning is a big part of it. But you also need there has to be a certain character. Right, that's what some of those Red Sox teams had, and unfortunately, what the bad ones didn't have. Uh, I got another ask us anything here from Earth. This is a really good one. Historically, Earth asks, "What sports moment or sports related moment do you think would have been insane if Twitter was around?" For example, I think the OJ chase would have been incredible if social media and oh Twitter God, were around. Yes. Others, sports moment. Others. Include- I wonder if it would have changed fundamentally the chase. Oh, yeah. Because there's people out there with their phones and like, would people have been more active? Yeah. And there was, a, I mean, if I you, mean, where people were watching it from, you know, the streets and everything, but it was, they were just relying on cable TV. So other ones that Earth put forth, Ben Johnson and the Olympic scandal, 1987 Canada Cup for <laughs> Thank Ruff. You. Uh, Monica Sellis is stabbing, which, yeah. Just I, c- I couldn't even imagine if that played out in mm-hmm. real time. You know, the one that jumped to mind right away for me was Mike Tyson biting off part of Evander Holyfield. Oh, the memes. Ear. The memes would have been unhinged. Like, I don't think we ever truly understood that in because that was the marquee prize fight at the time. Like the uh, the eyes of the world were on boxing at that point. And one of the contestants bit another person and actually bit off a part of their body and then spit it out on the floor. Yeah. Like, in a very in those fights like I don't I don't think people that the younger people in this generation like understand how big those fights were. Like how they were they were everything, right? Now you're like there's a big like Canelo fought what last weekend? Oh. It's kind of yeah. like it's like a very niche audience now that watches the big fights. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Right, it's kind of set off from the mainstream, and those fights, everyone was watching. Yeah, uh, you know how I found out about that. To give you an idea of one, how old I am, but two, the the pre social media world, that fight was on the night of our high school like prom night, where you <laughs> we went to an all boys school, so it was like real. Like you had to ask a girl from yeah. a different school, to and go she to actually prom had to show up, you. right? And then you're like, please show up, please show up. <laughs> Anyway. Did you did you always have to ask from like the Catholic schools? You can ask from anywhere. You can ask from anywhere. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, you got to understand the guys in my high school. They're like, we're not going to limit your dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to try and expand it as much. Let's as not possible. paint ourselves into a corner yeah. here, guys. Have you seen you? <laughs> so um, there's what is this guy Mike Gomez? I, I guess he had a, a a friend or something that was out watching the fight, and it like made its way telephone back to our prom. He's like, yeah, like. I think Tyson bit off Holyfield's ear or something. I'm like, you got some bad information, bro. But it turned out it was right. But that was mm-hmm. how it just kind of filtered into the audience. Yeah, that's that, how you used to find out about stuff. Yeah. Did you hear? Because we understood. My dad was, heard something. And then and Holyfield then turned into a zombie. Yeah. yeah There's like, a lot of lot of bad details in there. Yeah, but the the crux of it was this crazy thing happened, but you only kind of caught wind of it as like a curiosity. Like, did you hear what happened? Surrey Ryan. Imagine the malice at the palace. Yeah, that Twitter was another was one around. was on the list. Yeah, the like, videos from the crowd. Incredible. Yeah, there would be there would be way, way more. more. Um, so funny. I got another personal anecdote on this one. At the time, this was at the burgeoning start of my journalistic, okay. using that in air quotes, career. 
So while I was working as a graveyard secu- security guy at, at a hotel, mm-hmm. but I was also blogging for some basketball site. Okay. And respect the grind. So I was fall like back in the day, you went on forums. Right. Yeah, yeah. To get all of your like mm-hmm. deep cuts. Rest right? in peace Canucks forum. Yeah, it's CDC dead. Um and I so all of a sudden in this one basketball forum, people started saying they're like something's going on at, at Auburn Hills, uh, Malice of the Palace in Detroit. It sounded like Lassie went on to the forum like, what's up, Lassie? There's yeah. something going on in the but Auburn no, Hills? But no one really knew what. And then there was like, oh, there seems to be some sort of skirmish. And then as the details came out, it started getting more and more crazy. Like Ron Artest went into the stands and beat up somebody. And I'm like, okay, someone's taking creative liberties yeah, with Brick the Brick killed a guy. But it was mostly accurate. Where did for, Ron Artest get a trident? Yeah, except for <laughs> except for Brick killing a guy. It was all really accurate. And I remember walking around to the few people that were working the graveyard shift. And I'm like, I'm like I think there's something crazy going on in the NBA right now. And they were like, what, what, what could possibly be so crazy that you're telling me about this at 1.30 mm-hmm. in the morning? Because we are honestly at that point we were I was getting from this message board all these crazy details like Jermaine O'Neal almost killed a guy and you know there mm-hmm. people are going to be suspended for life because of this and it all turned out to be true but this it was, was a it was crazy but this was a pre social media world there was no footage of it at there was no immediacy that like to dramatically it. affected the NBA and how it went about its security business at arenas. Yeah. Right? Like a dramatic, made significant change. Uh, another text in, and this is one that I actually thought of. What about the hand of God goal by Maradona in yeah. 1986 World Cup against England? Twitter would have blown up. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Yep. Especially if we're going back and there's Twitter, but there's still no VAR. Although VAR doesn't really work. No, VAR has some problems. They still have <laughs> Twitter. They're still they're still ironing out the kinks with VAR. That would have been, that would have been a great one, actually. Yeah, because I remember years later, and this was when like social media was still kind of it was the Lampard disallowed goal, or it wasn't even disallowed goal. They just never called it a goal on the field against Germany. Mm-hmm. It hit the crossbar and clearly crossed the line, but they didn't have goal line technology. What, what are you talking about then? In the World Cup in the nineteen sixty six World Cup, it wasn't Lampard? No, no, no. This is that goal counted. Oh, okay, but it's very confusing, right? Right, Lampard, I can't remember what competition it was in. It was maybe 2012. Anyway, point being, there was a goal that England scored in eventual loss to Germany that was disallowed, just never counted. And I remember the sort of basic infrastructure of social media being around, and there was a lot of furor about I could not imagine how that would have been amplified Mm -hmm. in 86 England, Argentina, Diego Maradona, like it would have been the talking point of talking points. Mm-hmm. And Twitter would have been, it would have exploded, especially if we didn't have the technology to reverse the call, right? And then Maradona's famous comments afterwards where he all but acknowledged, yeah, I punched the ball into them. You know what people forget about that game too is like four years earlier, England and Argentina went to war. Yeah. Like that was the Falkland, Falkland Islands ones. world yeah. war, right? Like, and then all of a sudden they're in this, Huge game at the World Cup, and Maradona cheated his way to a win past England. Uh, but then he said it was religion's fault, which is nice. Okay, calling into Watson. <laughs> Here's a good one. How much would have Canucks Twitter been blown up during the Bertuzzi Moore incident? Oh my God. I can't. It was look, already blown up without oh those two things. Canucks Twitter and an incident of that nature. I'm glad that they never meshed because I don't think that the Canucks Twitter, based on what I've seen of it, 
and I try not to see much of it, but they just could not have handled that level of... I had disdain for that team, to be perfectly honest with you. Which one? The West Coast the, Express. The, the 0-3, that particular year, or well, just when they general? lost to Minnesota, didn't they kind of over? Well, I guess maybe not the loss to Minnesota. No, they should have. They should have been in the Stanley Cup final. I don't the have way enough, it, the way it all broke down. Yeah, we don't have enough have. time to relitigate the West Coast Express era. Like we're up against it for to- time, especially since we got mm-hmm. Moj coming up. But um, that was such a. It was an irreversible, unerasable black mark on that entire era. Like that's what the better or worse. That's what the era is defined by. To the casuals, right? Like a hardcore fan might be like, it was more about the Minnesota Wild loss. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I think don't so. know about that. Uh, well, there's also the, the McSorley Brashear incident. People are pointing out yeah. in the. Uh, I was inbox. at that game. Was well, there that was game. another McSorley incident too. I think would have blown up Twitter. The the stick measurement in '93. Oh yeah, that would have been a huge right. focal oh, point. God, Imagine that happening in real that. time. Do you remember that in the NHL where they yeah. were just like, we need a power play, measure someone's stick. <laughs> Such a wicked. Like what Get the goon stick. Yeah, he's got an illegal. And then he's like, oh god, my stick. Is illegal. Quick, yeah. throw it into the stands. And then one of those like old <laughs> NHL officials in the Blazers got this weird measuring. Yeah, thing oh out. my god! The curvature is too much. We must give them a power play. All right. Well, we'll probably go back in time with Moj as well. Coming up next, actually, we're going to preview tonight's huge game: Lions Bombers at BC Place. This is the game we've been hyping up all season, and it has arrived in perfect form. The Lions. With the same record as the Bombers, tied atop the division. This one could be for the right to host the West Final, either at BC Place or in Winnipeg. We'll talk to Moach coming up next. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Moj, Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us in just a moment here. The highlight of hour two. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. So this is the biggest CFL game of the year tonight at BC Place. Mm-hmm. safe to In say all that, the league. Right? Yep, for sure. The biggest game that BC Place has had in an awfully long time. J.J. Adams of the province says you can call it the Gray V Cup. Think about it. Not Gray Cup, Gray V Cup. Because of Thanksgiving? That's right, Jason. But it's also like gray as in the gray cup. Yeah. It's a stretch. I like JJ. He tried his best. <laughs> Let's go to the phone lines now. Bob the Moj Marjanovic joins us on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? Well, the Lions have been promoting this for a while as the gravy bowl. Oh. So, you know, tying it in with Thanksgiving. I don't, obviously, I don't think JJ saw the, the promos out there. But, yeah, they've been calling it the gravy bowl for a while. So the gravy bowl, it's going to take over the CFL. How... 
put into context because you are on the call for these games. You've been following this team for forever. We were trying to think of the last game of this magnitude to be at BC Place, no less. Like, are we overhyping this or is this really going to be like that big of a game? The entire league is watching this thing go down, that type of deal. Well, I think the entire league is watching this one. I mean, basically the winner gets first place. Um, to win this game and then lose the division, you would have to lose your next two. Mm-hmm. And the loser of this game tonight would have to win the next two. So um, whoever wins this game wins first place. So, you know, people are calling it the first playoff game of the season. But it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of hype going into this game. And you know what it's like sometimes with a lot of hype? The game turns out to be a dud. Hopefully the game turns out to be an epic battle between two very good teams. Well, because it's it's weird because these two have already played twice in Winnipeg. And the Lions blew them out in one. And the Blue Bombers blew them out in the other. The last time they met, the Blue Bombers beat the Lions 50-14. to 14. So... I guess the reason to think that the Lions can do this is what they did the first time, but how do you see this matchup? Who has the edge? Well, I think it's going to be a lot closer than 50-14, to 14. and I say that because, you know, in going into that game, the Lions were playing on four days rest. Winnipeg was, I think, coming off, well, I know they were coming off a bye, and I want to say it was like 11 or 12 days. Mm-hmm. They were lying in wait. So, and plus they had a huge chip on their shoulder after being embarrassed before at home by the Lions 30-6. to six. So um, I think this is going to be a great game. I just, you know, I think the Lions are going to bring their A game, and I think Winnipeg obviously is going to bring their A game. So it, yeah, I think it's going to be a really tight football game. Um, I don't see a blowout either way, but, you know, stranger things have happened. But uh, it, it, like I said, it's just it's a great matchup, particularly when you look at some of the, the positional groupings. I mean, you know, there's a great debate. Who has the better receiving core, Winnipeg or BC? Well, you know, who do you think has the better secondary to cover those receivers, right? Um, there's so many things going in this game. You know, the MOP conversation, which, you know, everybody talks about Brady Oliveira, and they talk about Zach Caleros, and they talk about Kelly in Toronto. Nobody's really talking about Vernon Adams. And when you look at his numbers, He's thrown for more yards than Caleros. He's thrown more, or he's two touchdowns behind Caleros, and the interceptions are like 16 to 14. I mean, they're right there again. So, I mean, the numbers, there's really not that much to separate the two, but it, it just seems everyone talks about Zach Caleros and nobody talks about Vernon Adams Jr. Well, Chad Kelly's probably going to win it, isn't he? He would think. Yeah. Right? I mean, just given the way the Argos have played this year and what he's done, so... But, you know, people like to debate. They like to talk about lists. They like to talk about rankings. And like I said, it's a, it seems like it's Caleros and Kelly and maybe Oliveira and really not that much of Vernon Adams Jr. when he should be in the conversation as well. Uh, the Lions are getting some bodies back. Who are they getting back? Yeah, it's it's interesting because last week they were without four regulars. Um, so well, I shouldn't say four. I should say three. Dan Evans, backup quarterback, will be back in the lineup. Fullback David Mackey comes back after a one-game absence due to an ankle injury he's a great player on specials and just one of those guys that's kind of a glue guy on offense they also get cornerback Jalen Edwards Cooper back he was a game day scratch last week against Saskatchewan he was just came into the the, the stadium really ill and he couldn't play so that's a boost to the secondary and then Sook Chung returns uh, after missing a game due to an ankle injury at right guard so Lions are fully healthy and Winnipeg's also got some bodies coming back too they're going to get Janarian Grant back who's an outstanding returner. He's missed the last 10 games, but 
They do lose cornerback Demario Houston with knee injury. He's the CFL leader in interceptions with seven and takeaways with ten. So, you know, a pro and a con for Winnipeg Wars with BC. It just seems to be more of a pro when it comes to the injury situation. We're speaking of Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Moj is brought to you by the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection. Just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. Uh, in our pre-show prep, Moj, we do actually do pre-show prep. You participated in it. You sent along a note that this game is going to be one in the trenches. That can be a cliche at times, but can you explain why you threw it out there and why it's going to be a factor tonight in particular? Well, it, it always is, right? I mean, you can talk about all the skill players that you want, and you can talk about the Caleroses and the Adams and you know the great receivers that are going to be in this game, but the bottom line, it's going to be the line of scrimmage, and that's when you look at those two games, um, the decisive factor in those games was the line of scrimmage. In the first game, the BC Lions owned the Winnipeg offensive line. Their defensive line just ran roughshod that first game in Winnipeg when they won 30-6. to And then conversely, in the second game, it's the Bombers who held a significant edge in the line of scrimmage. So, you know, you look at this game, one of the key things that the Bombers have going for them, one of the bigger advantages they have is running the football with Brady Oliveira. I mean, they're rushing for 136 yards a game. That's first in the league. BC's rushing for 83 yards a game. That's eighth in the league. So that's going to be one of the big keys. The Lions definitely have to try to contain Brady Oliveira and get Winnipeg off schedule, get him into second and tens, get him into second and sevens. And that's tough to do when you got a horse like Brady Oliveira who's going to gain you four, five, seven, or eight yards on first down. I just keep thinking about how huge a game this is, not just for the Lions and their Grey Cup hopes, but just for the organization, which has taken such big steps since Amar Dolman took over. Um, You know, if they come out flat and they lose this game, all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, they're still going to get a home playoff game, but it's, you know, it's not going to be, they'll be expected to win it. It won't be a big matchup and they'll still have to go to Winnipeg uh, to, to get to the Grey Cup. But if they win it, and there's going to be a good crowd tonight. Like, the the lower bowl on Ticketmaster is pretty much sold out. You can still get into the lower bowl. They have opened a few sections in the upper deck. So they're probably going to get a crowd just over 30,000, something like that. But Moj, if they win this game and they get to host the West Final and they'll have all the hype and they'll have all the lead-up time to sell tickets, like, we could be looking at a crowd. Like, I would I would hope that there'd be a crowd of something like over 40,000 at BC Place for the West Final. Um, just in speaking with people in the organization, what are they saying about it? What is their approach to this massive game for them? Well, I mean, I think you do have a valid point, and and I know that this week you think there probably would have been a bigger crowd, but you're talking Thanksgiving Day weekend. I know friends that are Lions season ticket holders, and they're out of town. I mean, they've gone to the island. Another person went to the interior. So, you know, people aren't perhaps in the lower mainland that might be going to the games regularly that have tickets. The other thing, too, is you got a Connect game happening that night as well. So that might take a little bit of a bite out of your, your numbers. So, you're right, but if these teams do meet in a Western final, uh, man, with the, the lead-up, I mean, it, it should be a huge crowd and be a great atmosphere at BC Place should that occur. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is a big game. All these games are big, but I think the fact that, you know, to know that you are the Western Division champs in terms of the regular season, you finish first, and that you're hosting that playoff game, it's it's huge. And, 
you know, with the Lions having the bye week in the last week of the season and then having a bye week in the first week of the playoffs, you'd have two weeks off to, to rest any bodies and two weeks off just to prepare for your upcoming opponent. So, yeah, it, it's huge. And besides, who the hell wants to go to Winnipeg in November? I mean, That's that right. would mark the yeah, third brutal. time this year that I have to go to Winnipeg. Have you ever mm-hmm. been to Winnipeg, bro? Uh, you know what? Manitoba is the only province I've never been to. You are one. You're, you know, you're one smart individual. That's all I'll say. <laughs> like Winnipeg is no, honestly, it's like the most. It's disgusting. Yeah. I don't want to go to Winnipeg. Nobody wants to go to Winnipeg. You sound like it's every like member of the Winnipeg Jets. The CFL tour. It's dead last, and by a mile. Uh, oh, the Grey Cup is in Hamilton. So uh, yeah. Well, no, Ham- <laughs> hey, you know what? Hamilton's fine. <laughs> Hamilton's got character. It's blue collar. It's it's greasy, but I like Hamilton. <laughs> Who is the Canuck, by the way, that called the Dirty Peg? Was it Thomas Mojis? Yes. Wow, what a pull by you. Yeah. yeah. Kletch used to play it all the time. Dirty Peg. Dirty Peg. Oh. Yeah. Um, Moj, oh, before, before we let you go, it is Friday. That means we have to do an Ask Us Anything. Not surprisingly, we got a Moj-specific one from Juan and Comox. And it's a Thanksgiving-related one. He wants to know your favorite side dish on Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, I'll give you a minute to think about the answer because mine is something that my my mom makes. So she takes broccoli, which is a great, healthy superfood, mm-hmm. then smothers it with a can of condensed cream of mushroom soup, then <laughs> puts a copious amount of cheddar cheese on top. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. on top of the cheese is a layer of croutons. Then it's baked in the oven, rendering whatever superfood powers... Yeah. That broccoli had. I feel like I feel like you're you though, because I've seen this from you before. You would have been like, "Pass me the broccoli's. I I need to eat healthy." Yeah. I remember that time. Do you remember that time when you started eating a lot of dried fruit and you're like, "I'm trying to be healthy." I'm like, "Have you checked the sugar count on that?" (laughs) Dried mango, healthy. Dried mango. He's he's walking around. He's like, "I'm the healthiest guy in the world." Another thing. Sorry. Halford salads in the States, Halford will be like, I think I'm going to order a salad because I'm trying to eat healthy. And then one of those American salads would come that, that has like more bacon and more dressing than any sort of vegetables. You'd you know, be like, I feel good about myself. You know what's a good city to order salads in? Pittsburgh. <laughs> you get like fries on your salad yeah. there. Anyway, Moj, back to the original question. Uh, favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Well, first off, what you described didn't really sound too appealing. It, I know, but trust me. In it's better than broccoli. It, no, that he's talking about the broccoli. No, I know it's it, better than just plain broccoli. In actuality, Moj, it's very good. It might not sound okay. tantalizing, but it's very good. Yeah, it didn't sound too tantalizing. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, you guys. But I'm thinking about Brussels sprouts. Remember Tony Gallagher's epic rant on Brussels sprouts? Yeah. Did you guys ever hear that? Oh my yes. gosh. Um, anyway, Brussels sprouts are up there for me, but I got to say stuffing. I mean, stuffing is amazing. The stuffing's got to be done right. It's, no, there's a fine line between having it dry and having it too moist. You got to kind of hit it right in that sweet spot in the middle. Um, so for me, it's probably stuffing. And I do love Brussels sprouts. Like, I'm not one of these people that just, you know, they need their Brussels sprouts all dolled up and all, you know, fried and this. I can just, you know, steam them. Give me a little butter. I'm happy. That's all I need. So. I mean, Brussels sprouts are right there for me. Moj, excellent stuff as always. Thank you very much for doing this. Have a good time tonight. It should be a lot of hey, fun I, at the I game. I will. By the way, I got to say something. I've been listening, obviously, throughout the course of the week. Avid okay. listener. Okay. Um, 
uh, Andy's What We Learned intro, mm-hmm. the one where he sings. Yes. That has to be like one of the best intros of all time. Do you want your own intro? No, I don't want an intro. I don't have an ego. I don't care. I don't need an I'm just saying, Andy's intro of What We Learned, like, What We Learned, like, and he's singing away. I'm like <laughs> killing myself laughing. It's so good. In the words of Taylor, it's so bad, it's good. Yeah. You won't be laughing when it's stuck in your head all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Moj, have fun tonight, dude. See you, buddy. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, you too. That's Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Want to do a little lock of the week action here, Bruff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we're going to parse it down. We're not going to run through the entire uh, slate of games and all the respective lines, right? We'll start doing that later in the season. We're still early days. We're still getting our betting handle on this thing. But um, I'm sort of using this as a platform to promote what is an awesome, awesome Sunday nighter this early in the season. Cowboys, Niners, Sunday night football. Okay, the 49ers are the home team, and they are four-point favorites. Yeah. What do you think about that line? I spent a considerable amount of time last night trying to explain or convince myself, explain to or convince myself why I should get on the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Couldn't come up with a one. Yeah. I just can't. I know You don't trust Dak? Like, I don't trust Dak. It's not even so much that. It's that everything... Are Are you ready, by the way, yet to admit that you would rather have Brock Purdy as your quarterback than Dak Prescott. Not there yet. Not yet? I'll wait wait for American Thanksgiving before I make that decision. I'm going to have the second Thanksgiving. But this weekend could really tip the scales on that one. Here's the thing. Everything that the Cowboys do well, Mm -hmm. and they do a lot of things well. They're 3-1. and They haven't been been an underdog this year. Everything that the Cowboys do well, I feel like the 49ers do better. Mm -hmm. Every department where... The Cowboys have their strengths. I feel like the 49ers are even stronger. I just wonder if the Cowboys are going to be able to, with that defense, I think they got a lot of speed on their defense, and that's kind of what you need in order to stop the 49ers' attack, which is basically a lot of, like, yak yards. Here's the thing. The 49ers, on a weekly basis, put up 30 points. It's what they do. They've done it every game this year, right? 30-plus. Have they done it against a defense like the Cowboys? They have not. So what you've got to assume is that that, that offense is probably— I would say— that they're going to hit somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 23 points against a much better Cowboys defense. If you're saying you're like, Halford, 23 points, that's not a lot. How are they going to cover? Here's the thing. That 49ers defense has held opponents to 16 or fewer in three of the four games this Mm -hmm. year. And the only team that got more than 16 was the Rams, who tacked on a late field goal, a meaningless field goal, to make it a one-score game. So I think here, play the under, but more importantly, my lock of the week Take the 49ers. You can get them at three and a half at some books, but if you get them at four, who cares? Take the 49ers minus four. Epic Sunday nighter, Thanksgiving. It's going to be a great night. Lock it up. Lock it away. So you know how you picked, like, this incredible matchup? Are you going to pick the worst matchup? Well, I'm going to pick the Battle of the Wilsons. The Denver Broncos. Oh, yeah, Hosting the New York Jets. Right. And the Broncos are just two and a half point favorites. Hmm. And I realize that the Jets have a pretty good defense, and I realize that Zach Wilson played better last week. But Russ has decent numbers this year. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions, pretty decent passer rating. I think the Broncos at home after beating the Bears last week, Mm -hmm. I like them by two and a half. You know why this line is the way that it is, right? Oh, what am I missing? Because the Jets have been talking all week about getting revenge for Nathaniel Hackett. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. this is the some important injury. No, 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 nothing like that. But the this is. I don't want to say it's like a revenge game for the. We're Jets. doing this for Coach Hackett. Well, I mean, the one that the thing that tipped the scales. This is going to be actually a pretty fascinating. Yeah, game. the thing that tipped the scales in that Nathaniel Hackett thing was when Sean Payton started yeah, dumping on him, right? And now and that was like a that was a really like I thought I hate using the word class because it gets thrown out. Like you, you didn't need to do that. I understand what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He was trying to create optimism for his team by. Finding a scapegoat. So the Jets have said, like, this is payback for, like, what was... They could have left it at being, like, we made Hackett the scapegoat and we fired him. Right. But then the new coach came in and kept it going. Mm-hmm. That's a weird vibe. I hope the Jets win this. But Broncos minus two and a half. So you're, I, know, I would still take Russ over to Zach. I mean, look, if you take away this, like, very neat narrative that we have about the revenge game... Getting the Broncos at home at mile high with those points, I would take them 100 times out of 100. So I agree with you. So you're taking Denver minus two and a half. You're going to lock that up? That's my luck. That's my luck. Luck of the week. All right. There you go. San Fran, Denver, take them this weekend. Uh, We've got a little bit of time here. You know what? Instead of diving into a whole new subject and pushing the clock too far, let's do a quick reset here about what's coming up. So... 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywell is going to join the program. The Canucks are working the phones. And he'll say that like, I don't believe it. He's like, bro, you, you won't believe this, but the Canucks are working the phones. I'm like, I believe you. I'm snickering at you. Yeah. I'm telling you, they're working them. So they Rick, know they don't. They're not comfortable with the roster. I'm telling you, they're working the phones. Crazy. Why don't you believe me? Crazy. I I'm like I I, I. I think they might not be sold on their defensive pairings as of yet. <laughs> we should uh, is as the vibe a group, I'm getting. We should as a group like push back on Dollywall and just be like, no, no, they're, no, they're crazy. Not. No, crazy they're talk. Not. No. <laughs> Why would they be working their phones? And be like, hey, see if his head explodes like live on the air. Are you trying to make him yell at you? Is that what you want? Because you're encouraging it. He's yeah, going to yell at him anyway. Oh, he's going to yell at me. He's just like he's he's he, he's like those great competitors that uh, find something even if it's true to like anger him to like drive him through. Like he's like reading press clippings and they're yeah. like, "Bruff doesn't believe that the Canucks are working the phones." He's, like he's going to use that. He's going to use that to motivate himself. Yeah, he's like Michael Jordan in a lot of ways. He took that personally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Dollywell's going to join us at eight. We will dive back into the Canucks talk for the final hour of the final show of the week. Uh, well, we're also going to give away two pairs, two pairs of tickets to see Guns N' Roses on October 16th at BC Place. If you want to be entered into the grand prize draw for those, you can either send a what we learned or ask us anything, hashtag WWL or AUA. You mm-hmm. actually have to write it out. This We need to stress this. And here's a good what we learned, and it's actually true. What we learned, Chase Claypool has been traded to the Miami Dolphins. Wow. Yeah, a lot of people sending that in. Interesting. That must have just happened. Yeah. He's looking for a That's better... That's a hot take he's, he's, he's looking. Did you give me time for the breaking news horn? I, I have to do something. He's looking for a better situation. Miami's offense, better situation. Good on Chase Claypool. That's a total get for him. Anyway, uh, so there's what we learned. The hashtag for those is WWL. The hashtag for Ask Us Anything, AUA. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Important. You must put a rose emoji into your text to be entered into the grand prize draw. One guy just texted in a rose emoji and said, Guns and Roses tickets, please. Yeah. That's so you actually have to, you know, entertain us. I respect oh, that. Speaking of putting in the work, uh, we're going to put a moratorium. We're not going to accept any more of the really cleverly written ones that have a bunch of different Guns and Roses song titles. I respect everyone for trying it, but the bid has already been done. Well, I'm very disappointed from. 
one text here that's what we learned. While every rose does indeed have its thorns, it would appear that the Canucks D can fight through, et cetera, et cetera. Like, every rose has its thorns? That song? That's poison, yeah, man. That's, that's, that's not, poison, it's man. It's poison, poison. Yeah. If you were doing it sarcastically, because we did make a joke earlier Maybe. in the week, yeah, uh, good on you. And you I guess that win. like rose is Guns N' Roses. Like I get that, but mm. when you start off like that, yeah, that texture has Maybe to. Maybe the give Canucks us are hoping yeah. for the Sandman to enter. You should. You should go. Com- you should. You <laughs> should. Guns N' Roses tickets, please. <laughs> you should ask Axel and Slash. Like, are you guys a lot like Poison? And see and see how they respond. Uh, so that's the final hour of the show. It's all coming up. Don't go anywhere. It's Alfred and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650.